It's a pleasure to be here. It uh, seems not, like not that long ago that I was at actually the first public meeting of St. Paul's uh, in the Dinsmore's house, if I remember right. I didn't have as much gray hair then. Um, <laughs> for the last year or two, I've been doing some research with several colleagues, and we've been looking at the effects of digital device usage on well-being and spirituality. So that's a cool thing about being a professor, you get to kind of do what you want, as long as you, pu <laughs> as long as you publish something. Uh, and this is what I'm doing. And what's come out of it has alarmed me, interested me, moved me enough, I thought, oh, we need to start talking about this very explicitly uh, in the church. And so that's the spirit out of which the seminar came. So let's start off with a couple questions. I'm gonna ask a question and then you raise your hand if you wanna say yes. So how many of you worry ever about how much time you spend on your phone computer? Okay. How many of you worry ever about the content that you're consuming on your phone, computer, TV, stuff like that? Okay. How many of you ever worry about the time or content that people you love are consuming on their smartphones or a computer? Yeah, like everyone. Now, isn't it crazy? We all raise our hands just about. Are there that many other problems that we'd all raise our hand for? So I want to spend a little time appreciating just how much we use our phones. Because we're sort of like fish in the water. There's a saying in social sciences that fish don't know that they're in water, because that's all they've ever been in. We've become so acclimatized to phone and computers and screens everywhere, we've, we have sort of lost sight of just how much it's happening. So I'm going to give us a couple ways of thinking about it. One, let's start off with the easy one. How much, uh, how much time do people spend on phones? So you can look up statistics that will say just about anything you want them to say. So I thought, I'll just collect my own data. So I asked my students to look at their phones and look at screen time and look at how much time they actually spent on the phone last week. Now, this is just their phones. The median is four to five hours a day. So what is that? 25, 30 hours a week, that, I mean, that's a pretty healthy part-time job. That doesn't include smart TVs, that doesn't include laptops, desktops, tablets, that's just their phone. Uh, when I give this presentation in groups that are more diverse in terms of age, the range is a little bit wider, but it still comes in at least three or four hours a day. Okay, that's a lot of time. Now, to, another way to think about how much we use our smartphones and laptops and so forth, is we're all used to seeing them, but what if somebody was, what if like tomorrow magically, people are doing a different activity instead of their phones or computers or tablets? What if they were knitting? Right, have you ever been in a meeting or the church I go to has a person who knits during the service? And what if when you drive by the bus stop, you look at it and every single person they're saying is knitting? What if, like you're talking to somebody, like talking to your child, and then like they, start, they tune you out so they can knit. What, what, what if you know, like you're at the stoplight and you look over and like somebody's knitting furiously, or like they're driving with their knees so that they can knit while they, while they drive, <laughs> right? You'd be like, this is the craziest world. It's like, you know, take me home, Mr. Turtle. Uh, no one gets that reference if you're under 60. Um, it's like, I can't stand, this is so crazy. But yet, you know, not that long ago, if you'd said that about little computers, we would have had the same reaction. What are, what are some of the potential problems 
with overusing digital devices that you've heard of? Okay, car accidents. What else? Yeah, inattention. Absolutely. What else? So what are some things you've heard? Insomnia. Mm -hmm. Insomnia, yeah. It produces blue light, which keeps you awake. Uh, inhibits the production of melatonin. Others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to connect because you start trying to connect with them in person like you do online. And those are very different skills. Others. What else have you heard is, is a problem with overusage? Mm -hmm. I would say yeah, it's been linked to depression. Okay. Let me give you a couple. There, there's a long list. Uh, let me give you a couple others that I've come across. Um, this study did this really cool study. Got 300 people who are going out for dinner. And uh, said, hey, the next time you go out for dinner, and they randomly assigned them to do one of two things. Either put your smartphones on the table, and don't use them, just put them on the table, or put them away. So the only difference was the physical sight of a phone. The people who were hanging out with a phone on the table enjoyed their meals less, were more distracted, and were more bored. And that was just the sight of a phone. That wasn't even using it. Another say that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, when you put people in MRI machines, and you put, hopefully pull them out again at some point, um, <laughs> they do that and they have people use their phones in it or they compare high phone users versus low phone users, stuff like that. The evidence is pretty compelling that frequent phone usage literally rewires your brain. So I'm not speaking figuratively. It literally changes the circuitry, the connections, the neural connections in your brain. Because your brain is optimizing itself for what the phone gives you. Rapid rewards, quick movements. Have you ever seen kids who they can just go... <laughs> It's like, yeah, I just texted 28 people. You're like, what? I'm still turning on my phone. That's how they can do it. Their brain is optimized to do that. So using our phone literally changes our brain. Uh, finally, a number of studies have tracked bad things that happen to teenagers over time. Kids being lonely decreased in the first century of this century, or the first decade of the century, until about 2007, and then, it's, then, then it started going up and up and up. Kids not hanging out with their friends did the same thing. Suicide rates among teenagers bottomed out in 2007. All three of these, 2007. The suicide rate among teenagers is now double what it was in 2007. What happened in 2007? That's the first time Stephen Jobs uh, Stephen Jobs stood up and said, we have an iPhone. And since then, it's gone up. It's not unreasonable to speculate that half the suicides of teenagers have something to do with their phone use. I'm not saying it's a causal statement, but it's, it's a, a very reasonable speculation. Now, these are things that you read about a lot in the newspapers, you see in the research literature. But as a Christian, I, I worry about what it does to us spiritually. To get us thinking about that, I got a special, special dispensation from both Ryan and Keith, 
We're going to do something a little bit different that you're not used to doing in church today. I'm going to break you up into groups to talk about something. And this is what I want you to talk about. What are the spiritual impacts? What's the spiritual impact of, using, of overusing your phone and computer? How can it mess you up spiritually? So I'm going to give you three or four minutes to talk about this. And then we'll come back together, and I want to hear what you've talked about. And if I can make a recommendation, don't get into groups with somebody who you're married to or you once changed their diaper or otherwise you're like a family person with. Uh, the discussions will go better. Uh, otherwise, you'll say, oh, I have this revelation, and they'll say, I've been telling you that for two years. I hit you in the head. So break up into groups of three or four. Talk about the spiritual impact of digital device usage, and then we'll come back together, okay? Okay, why don't we go and reconvene here, and uh, usually these conversations end up going so well that sometimes I think I should just do the presentation of ask the question and then just sit down and read a book for half an hour. So what are some of the things that you found that are ways that our digital device usage might affect our spiritual well-being, our sense of spiritual health? What are some of the things that you came up with? Okay, there's temptations. Uh, anything you could possibly want that you don't want is available online. What else? Distraction and just amount of time. What else? Oh, that's good. So it's a way to escape and numb from some of the difficulties in life that maybe we should be dealing with. Good. What else? What are other ways? I heard one speaker said that with smartphones, we've lost the necessity of sometimes being alone and bored. For every other generation of our species, there were times where you'd just walk along and like nothing's happening and you're alone with your thoughts. Now, you don't have to be, unless your battery dies. There's a lot of information and a lot of it's very emotionally charged in really weird ways, okay? It changes how we commute, uh, commute, uh, communicate. It also changes um, a lot of other things we do. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about this? Let me just summarize. What are the, uh, what are the potential harmful effects of overusing digital devices? Uh, I think the clear answer is a whole lot more than we think. A whole lot more than we realize. <laughs> I am very comfortable with that. I have spent time in charismatic churches. Let's, let's go for it. So what do we do about it? Well, I want to suggest we do two categories of responses. One, we think differently about our digital devices. And two, we do different things with them. So let's talk about the think different. Let me suggest that part of being a Christian at this time means learning to be a good steward of our attention. Now, if you've been a Christian for, for more than about three weeks, you've heard a sermon on stewarding your money. Okay? And that's something that we need to do. So, for example, in um, 1 Timothy 6, it says, For the people who are rich in worldly goods, tell them to be, do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, to sharing with others. So, when you have money, there's, there's things you're supposed to do with it. I would say that perhaps even more than money, our attention is one of our most valuable resources. And we want to align it with what's most important to us. Our attention is how we connect with God. Our attention is how we connect with others. Our attention is how we're present in the world. Distraction 
is just as far away from God as rebellion. Okay, seriously, I rarely say things that are that punchy. I'm like, write that down. <laughs> the Bible has a number of verses about this that we should think about what we say, what we look at, what we listen to. Uh, for example, in uh, Philippians 4.8, uh, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's okay because everything I, on the internet is pure and, and noble and lovely and admirable. <laughs> on the off chance you hit a website that doesn't fit that criteria, this, this is what you want to be thinking about. So realizing your attention is an extraordinarily valuable resource. You want to manage it almost ruthlessly to align it with your values. What if you managed your money at the store the same way that you manage your attention with your digital devices? For a lot of this, we just walk in with our credit card. It's like, hey, that looks like kind of fun. Ooh, donuts, I like donuts. Oh, soda pop. And just like walk out with like four cartloads full of stuff that we didn't even really think about. So, in terms of thinking about it differently, we want to think of it in terms of our attention as a resource and digital devices as one place we can put our resources. There's some good ways to use it, there's some bad ways, but the bad ways come at a cost. Uh, this is where the, the verse that Keith put on the handout of, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial and not everything is constructive comes into play. It's not a sin to use digital devices, but how we use them and how much we use them can lead us astray. So we want to be really clear in our mind of what are good uses for them, for our spiritual lives, what are bad uses, and what are just sort of like neutral uses, neutral uses that are a waste. So really, this isn't a story of good electronics or bad electronics. It's more like um, good uses of the electronics versus bad uses or unhelpful uses. Okay, so what do we do about this? And this is where my research is focused. What are things that people can do to cut back on their digital device usage? Let me give you two things not to do. The first thing is don't think that you can win this battle by willpower. Uh, Silicon Valley, where my son Joshua, who some of you knew when he was just a little guy, uh, works. Uh, he's at one of those really big companies where you like get lunches and like gourmet lunches every day for free. And his, his roommate works at one of the companies where you bring in your laundry and they do it for you and send it home with you just so you spend more time there coding. Um, they're really, 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 really good. They, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions, designing their products, services, apps, programs, so that they're irresistible for you. They know how your brain works better than you, and they create these things so that you cannot resist them. Facebook didn't take off until it had the like button, the social like. We're hardwired to really, really care what other people think of us. So if you can get that affirmation of the up, you know, the thumbs up, that's just, that's just irresistible for us. That's like crack cocaine for your brain. You just, 
the, the, the dopamine rush of it is just amazing. You can't just, you can't just, uh, you can't just fight that with willpower. You're bringing a knife to a gunfight. Another thing you can't do is just assume that you can decide it away. Don't think that you can get inspired, say, okay, that's it, I'm gonna use it less. I'm only gonna use it for good things. That'll last, I don't know, a couple days, maybe a week, if you have a lot of you know, inspiration. But again, just day in and day out. And there's good reasons to use electronics, right? So if your kid texts you and they need help, or you can you know, read your Bible on it, or there's all these really good reasons. So it's, it's, it's difficult to know how to sort good usage from bad usage. But don't try to just do it by willpower. Part of the story is knowing what's, what's a good use of electronics, and that's something that we'll cover more. I believe there's gonna be a workshop um, in March where we'll go into this in depth. What I wanna give, give you now is a couple ways to make it just a little bit easier to, to use your phone less, to kind of get you back in control of your phone. Because a lot of us, myself included, experience it almost as like this alluring addiction where you pick it up and then like an hour later you put it down and you're like, wow, what just happened? And I, I don't know what happened with all that time. So let me give you three or four hacks that'll help to undo it. That will give you a little bit more space. Okay, the first one is as simple as can be. You've probably done it by accident, but if you can do it as a discipline, you'll be surprised by how much it helps. When you're at home, put your phone in an inconvenient place. Don't put it right next to you. Don't put it on the kitchen counter where you always see it. Put the charging station in the back corner of the utility room. Use your phone all you want, but you have to stand there by the dryer, or in my case, you know, in the corner of the kitchen using it. That right there will probably clear up 20, 30% of your unnecessary usage. See, phones can do a lot of things, but they can't chase us around. We have to pick them up. So if you just make it a little bit more difficult to pick it up, you'll be surprised at how much that forces you to sort of uh, prioritize how you use it. I have some friends who just you know, will leave their phone in the car. And if they need it, they'll just go out to the car and use it. That's one. Number two. This one's kind of fun because it comes with a good joke. Put your phone on to black and white. Now, I've had this for like, I don't know, probably a year now. And I like it when I pull it out and somebody notices, I say, oh yeah, I couldn't afford the colored one. And they're always like, oh yeah. And they're like, wait, that's, that's not right. Um, just Google uh, grayscale, that's what, that's what it's called, how to set your phone on grayscale. And what's cool is that you can, um, every once in a while you want it to be in color, if you wanna show somebody a picture, you can set it so if you triple click it, it goes on to color. So it's a, you know, it's a real handy shortcut. Uh, my nephew, I, I showed him this, and so what he does when he's at work, he leaves it on black and white, and just boom, boom. And then when he goes home, he wants to play with it, he turns it on color. Part of what makes phones so amazingly hard to put down is that they're really exciting, they're really fun. Part of that is the visual stimuli. The icons, you don't wanna know how much money gets spent on designing those icons and testing those. Google tested 43 colors of blue to test which is the best color to, you know, when, when your uh, cursor goes over to light up to say there's a link here, to, to see which one people click through the most. This is incredibly well designed to get your attention. A third, uh, third one, 
fasting. Set aside a regular time during the week, during the day, during, in some situations where you just don't use your phone. If you want to get really crazy, turn it off. It'll probably turn back on when you want it to. If you can make that part of your life, part of your daily, weekly routine, you'll be surprised at how helpful it is as far as just giving you a little bit of space. So that you, the goal here is for you to use it when you want for the purposes that matter to you and to, to diminish the kind of junk food time on our digital devices. Just like fasting will help you with your eating, uh, fasting from food, likewise fasting from digital devices will. Uh, you can do that with your phone altogether. Um, most mornings I try not to use my phone until about noon. I try not to check my email until the early afternoon, just so I can focus on other things. And that's kind of a work-related thing. Uh, I've gone through times where I've just turned it off on Sundays. But it's amazing, it keeps on turning itself back on. I'll, I'll do that for like a month or two or three, and then it's like, oh, I'm doing this again. Oh, I gotta go back. It, it's, it's, it's a formidable foe. So these are three things. Keep your phone in, in an inconvenient place, turn it to grayscale, and occasionally fast. The general mindset that you want to use is to apply a lot of strategies to managing your digital devices. There isn't one thing you can do, but there's a lot of things. It's sort of like being healthy. If you want to be healthy physically, there's just a lot of different, a lot of different things you need to do. Same thing with this. In terms of next steps, um, there will be a seminar in March, and I think it's going to be announced at some point. And we'll take an hour and a half going into um, to go into how Silicon Valley hooks you on their devices. I actually went to some seminars out there on design for how to get people hooked, and I'm, I reverse engineered them to learn how to get unhooked. It's, it's very interesting and very powerful. We'll take a deep dive into that, and we'll, t and we'll walk you through a number of ways of assessing where you're at with digital devices. Um, there's a card on the chair near you. If you want, if you like this kind of stuff, is trying to bring together social science and spiritual growth, that's sort of where I've evolved to in my research. I put out a, a monthly newsletter. If you want to receive it, it's an essay on some, something like this. In fact, this presentation started off as one of those newsletters. Just put your name and email, and when you're done, put it on the back table, and I'll put you on it. And then finally, if, um, if you have any questions or comments or thoughts, you can email me. My, name, uh, my email address is bradleywrightphd at gmail. But if you, write, if you type Bradley Wright sociology or PhD or something like that, you'll find me online. So thank you so much. I pray that all of us can have our use of digital devices, like everything else in our life should be sanctified, so that we are using them in reflection and an expression of what matters most, of the life that God has given us, and that they become a source of life rather than a drain on our life. Thank you so much.